Everyone, welcome to The Exchange Daily. Today is Monday, April 6, 2020. Yesterday, as you know, was Palm Sunday, and we began Holy Week. Holy Week is the week between Palm Sunday and Easter, and it's really just a time for us to slow down and give attention to the final days of Jesus' life before the cross and really before the resurrection. And um, we've been doing this podcast where we go through a psalm every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And this week, we are going to stay in one psalm um, all week, and that is Psalm 22. Um, Psalm 22 is called the Psalm of the Cross. It's an incredibly descriptive psalm about the cross. And it might be one of the most descriptive passages about crucifixion and just about the cross in general. And this was, this was hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented. And so Psalm 22 is written as if David, who wrote this, and who, you know, in the book of Acts, remember, David was called a prophet. Like, he, he literally um, was viewed as, when he wrote the Psalms, as like a prophet. Like, he, he foresaw things com- coming. And even though it seems as if he wrote about himself, this Psalm doesn't really even fit into that uh, category because th- none of this happened to him. Um, So Psalm 22 is written as if David is standing at the foot of the cross and just watching what is happening. Uh, One author said, We shall view the crucifixion of Christ from a new position from the cross itself in Psalm 22. Um, We we don't just see him hanging on the tree. We we see his mind, his heart, Jesus' emotions. We see what he's thinking and feeling. Um... And really, the cross just became for us a ladder where man now has access to God. And so we just want to slow down and look at this psalm, the psalm of the cross. And really, we're going to look at um, primarily one verse. We'll look at a couple verses, but primarily one where it's the cry from the cross. And again, David is writing ab- about himself, but it just doesn't fit. Like, this is David's perspective, but it's, it's not. It's a perspective from the cross. And so we're going to see how this speaks of Jesus. This is a psalm that Jesus quotes, which we'll, we'll see in a second. So um, this psalm really is like holy ground. It's just jam-packed with prophetic scriptures about Jesus. Um, and you really will see how this speaks of Jesus. So I want to read Psalm 22, verse 1. Here's how it begins. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest, yet you are holy. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, Jesus quoted this psalm while he was on the cross. Jesus on the cross in Matthew 27, we're told he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, it's almost like a mixture of Jesus was looking back, but David was also looking ahead to the cross. But let's just look at from Jesus' perspective. Um, I want you to keep in mind, in this day, there was no Bible with like chapters and verses. There was a scroll. And actually, many times the way a rabbi would begin a passage, would, would he would actually just quote the beginning portion, and it was supposed to bring the listener's attention back to where that was. And so, when Jesus is just quoting this uh, psalm, it's going to bring everyone's attention back to Psalm 22. And then when you look at it, which we're going to do on Wednesday and Friday even more, 
we're going to see how it just speaks, just filled with the whole crucifixion scene. And so this is really what we're going to look at. So here's what it says. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In verse 2, it's interesting. He says, uh, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Now, in Matthew 27, it actually speaks of Jesus on the cross. Remember, Jesus hung on the cross for, for six hours, for six hours. But in Matthew 27, we're told that he there was darkness of the land from basically 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. So he was on the cross during the day, and he's on the cross during night. In verse 2, it says, by day I cry, you don't answer. By night, I don't find rest. I mean, we really see just that idea of day and night happening, crying out, day and night, not being responded. But I, I want to obviously focus on the main phrase here. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, first, notice he says, my God. You know, Jesus, when we see him praying um, or talking to his disciples on how to pray, we're told to us to address God as our Father. But here at this point, Jesus addressed him as God. Um, here's what this psalm really is, is telling us. And here's what this, when we look at this, it really is one of the most, um, I guess, difficult to understand in some ways. Jesus says, why have you forsaken me on the cross? David cries out, why have you forsaken me? And so here's what this tells us. The, the separation of just this, the forsakenness, um, this, ca- this causes suffering compared to none other. Here, here's what I mean. Jesus cries out, he screams, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And here's what's interesting. Up until that point, Jesus had been getting uh, all kinds of things, all kinds of painful things happening to him. And he never said a word. He was flogged. I mean, he was beaten brutally. He was mocked. Um, He had thorns driven into his skull. He had nails driven through his hands and his feet. And all during this time, he was quiet. He was silent. He had that kind of poise. He took it. In fact, it says elsewhere in the Bible, like a lamb, he was silent before his slaughterers. So he never said a thing. All that suffering, all that pain, and he never said a thing. Then suddenly he screams and and he means something new is happening. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, I, I want you just to think about that. He doesn't cry, my hands, my feet, my head, my skull. He cries out, my God, my God, this is where the pain was. He's experiencing something infinitely beyond and just worse than physical pain. It was separation from God. And I still don't know if I fully understand the idea of how Jesus was separated from God. Here's what we we do know. Um, We know that we're made for relationships. And as bad as it is to lose maybe money or health or anything else, there's nothing like losing love. There's nothing like losing a loved one. There's nothing to lose in the love of a lifetime. I mean, people, sociologists, psychologists will tell you there's nothing more devastating than to lose just someone with a life filled with love. And um, Jesus looks at his relationship with the Father. And it's not just a 30 or 40 year relationship. I mean, they loved one another from all of eternity. And this isn't just two parties who, whose bodies uh, have been, you know, together through love. They've been wrapped up in each other's souls literally from all of eternity. And here's the son who lived just for the father. And you imagine the physical pain was terrible, but just the spiritual relational loss. And see, you know, we were made for the presence of God. We need the presence of God. And you know, if the, um, 
sun right now were suddenly to go off, every living organism on this earth would immediately freeze, would immediately be destroyed. When Jesus Christ lost the Father's presence, uh, at that instant, Jesus was engulfed in absolute just darkness. His soul unraveled just infinitely. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, there's a poem by this guy named George Herbert, George Herbert, um, and he basically has a couple lines. And here's the summary. He says, the cross is the tree of life for everyone else because it was the tree of death for Jesus. The cross became the tree of life for us because it was the tree of death for Jesus. Um, Jesus was that ultimate substitute. When he says, why have you, you, God, you of all people, why have you forsaken me? You know, we can understand, I want to read actually what Spurgeon said. He says, I can understand why traitorous Judas and timid Peter should be gone. But you, my God, my faithful friend, how can you leave me? This is worse of all. Yes, worse than all put together. Hell itself has for its fiercest flame the separation of the soul from God. I can understand, you know, whether it's Peter or Judas, but you, God. Now, we ask the question, why? Why? Why did God forsake him? You know, Psalm 22 verse 3 just says, yet you are holy. Yet you are holy. That God is absolute holiness. That in him is no darkness at all. That absolute purity and holiness. It's impossible that God could be a part of sin. And on the cross, God laid upon Jesus the sin of the world. And Isaiah 53, God laid upon him the sin of us all. And that moment, Jesus took our sins, it was, it was laid on him, and there was separation. Jesus, and I just think there's a side of it where um, the just pain was beyond what maybe was expected in some ways. Remember Jesus and his humanity was in the garden just praying, God, there's any other way? Well, this cup passed for me, but not my will, but your will. You see, um, the Lord did not fear the physical pain. It was, the, it was that spiritual, the separation. Um, again, sin separates. That's just what sin does. Sin separates. Sin separates us from God. There is separation. Sin not only separates, sin causes death. The wages of sin is death. This is what happens. And so if a man sinned back in this day before Jesus, if a man sinned, he could just grab a lamb from his flock and he could confess his sins upon that lamb. And God, in a sense, you know, took that sin from the man and laid it on that lamb. And this is what we have with Jesus. Jesus was that sacrifice for us. He took on the sins of the world, that by his stripes we are healed, that we confess our sin and it's placed on him, that he would be the last sacrifice, the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. You see, Jesus was forsaken, and here's what James Montgomery Boyce says. He says, To be forsaken means to have the light of God's countenance and the sense of his presence eclipsed, which is what happened to Jesus as he bore the wrath of God against sin for us. So why? Why? Why was he forsaken? Because, he says, you have chosen to stand in the place of guilty sinners. Because he has chosen to take our place. See, um, after, and we'll just end with this thought. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It says he cried out with a loud voice, again, in, in Matthew twenty-seven fifty, and he yielded up or he gave up his spirit. And then it says, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, there was a veil that separated really man from God, where only one man, one day a year, could enter into God's presence. And here's the point. Jesus was forsaken Jesus uh, took on the sin of the world so we could have access. We have access because Jesus momentarily was stripped away of his. And that's what we celebrate. That's what we remember. That's why we call it Good Friday. Because on Good Friday, 
Jesus was forsaken so that you and I wouldn't have to be. Jesus would cry this out, took on the pain of the world, so you and I could come boldly to his throne room of grace. Listen, we are going to talk more about Psalm 22 on Wednesday. And on Friday, there's more verses in great detail about the cross and the crucifixion scene. Um, But just today, why don't we just spend a moment reflecting on the cross, reflecting on what Jesus has done, how David foresaw this moment, how Jesus looks back at this moment in Psalm 22 and just cries out and says what, what David prophesied happened. And we can just praise him and thank him and, uh, Truly, we're coming up to Good Friday, the best Friday, the greatest Friday of all. Listen, church, I love you. We miss you. Um, if you would, please join us for prayer live on Wednesday at 1215 on Facebook and Instagram Live. And uh, we are going to have like a Good Friday kind of a service thing on, uh, you know, it's not really a service, but like a 30, 40 minute thing. We're going to do a little devotion, a little worship and um, have communion. So grab your communion elements this week and we would just love for you to join us on Friday night as well. But we love you guys. God bless you and have a great rest of your day.